May the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. As always, it is a joy to be back with you again. It's a frequency of ordinations. That means about once a quarter this year. Uh, but whatever the reason, it is just uh, good to be back here and to be able to worship with you uh, here this morning on this, the Feast of Christ the King. I want to say before I begin the actual sermon, uh, how very pleased I was to see the effort you made to have clergy and delegates off to uh, Synod, uh, which was on the other side of the, of the continent, up in Victoria, British Columbia. That's like going out to San Francisco and then going north, uh, much further north, uh, and uh, to know that the large geographic diocese we have was represented in such a manner uh, was very gratifying indeed. Uh, your clergy and the uh, lay representative we had uh, participated in everything well, and it is my belief that at that synod many seeds were planted. Next year, more than likely, much, much more than likely, the synod will be held for much, much further east, and that may enable you to have even a greater representation, as indeed your numbers and the number of your uh, mission, bar mission churches uh, would, uh, would qualify for you to do. The day I arrived here, uh, the Archdeacon and I were having lunch at an establishment we usually go to for lunch uh, when I arrived, and on the way out, the young lady at the cash uh, said, Happy Holidays. And I almost made a show of myself because uh, I assumed that she was referring to the festival of Christmas, which I thought was a bit too early to be wishing you greetings for since it's not even Advent. But also, uh, I get so annoyed today with people saying ha happy holidays instead of the joy and blessings of Christmas. The word Christmas, to be politically correct, shouldn't be used, as they tell us. So before I had a chance to turn around and say an embarrassing comment nicely and, 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 and uh, uh, properly, uh, the Archdeacon caught me and said she's referring to Thanksgiving. And then I realized that Thursday coming is the American uh, Thanksgiving, which if it does come second place to Christmas, I gather only just marginally comes second place to it. Some say it's sort of the pre-run for the, for the Christmas activity. And anyway, I know Anyone who's tried to book an airline ticket on that weekend knows just how uh, big a, a feast it is here in the United States of America. When, ostensibly, you offer thanksgiving for the many blessings that have been stowed upon you as a nation under God. The, one of the names of the service we are now in, the... the uh, Holy Eucharist, uh, the Mass, Holy Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, all kinds of names for the one service. But the word most prominently used around the world, I would suggest, is the Eucharist, which means exactly that, a thanksgiving, a thanksgiving for the greatest gift of all. Your country of the United States of America has as its motto the words, in God we trust. My country of Canada has as its motto, 
his dominion shall spread from sea to sea, from one of the Psalms. And indeed, the province I live in, you live in the state of Massachusetts, I live in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador, its motto is, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It is sadly ironical that both in your country and mine and in my province, and from what I know of Massachusetts, in your state as well, though one is often careful about making uh, comments about any form of the politics in a country that is not your own. So simply let me refer to Canada and say that its motto belies terribly what is happening at the present time. When the name of Jesus is not allowed to be invoked at any official gathering and that the minority of practicing Christians that we have in my country and I'm going to be bold enough to say in yours as well uh, because we do belong to the one ecclesiastical province in our countries we are probably the most uh, silent of all the minority groups because we remain quiet and indeed we will be punished in some instances if we don't remain quiet uh, and allow the great foundations of our nations to be swept away by the political correctness of the present age. And it's very sad, and as I will try to show you later, it leaves a challenge for us. This, by the way, is the last Sunday in the church's year. Next week, Archdeacon Michael may very well uh, come before you and wish you all a happy new year. In the, don't be surprised, he hasn't been out in the sun too long if he does that, because Advent Sunday is the church's New Year's Day. In fact, right up to almost all of my ministry as a parish priest, this Sunday was always referred to uh, as the Sunday next before Advent. It was also known as Stirring Up Sunday, because in the Book of Common Prayer, the colic for the Sunday next before Advent always was the one, Stir up, we beseech thee, O Lord, the wills of thy faithful people. And indeed, in uh, many villages where there was uh, a strong English component of the settlers, on that particular Sunday, uh, later after the service at home, the family gathered around the table for a symbolic making of the Christmas pudding, which I gather has to wait a month before it gets good anyway, but each would have a turn stirring it up, stirring it together. And I thought on the last Sunday of the church's year, uh, with due respect to our liturgical people who have told us otherwise. It was always such a good thing to ask to be stirred up, because we need to be stirred up for what is about to follow. We're going to launch into a new year with new challenges, and we can only do that if we stir ourselves up and make sure that we are properly prepared, properly uh, strengthened uh, to tackle what lies ahead, because what lies ahead could be undaunting if you uh, allow, allowed it. Could be very daunting if you allowed it to be. Stir up, O Lord, the wills of your people. In fact, Thanksgiving in in, in Newfoundland for many years before we had a proper Thanksgiving Day and our proper Thanksgiving Day is over a month ahead of yours, 
in, in October, but before we kept that in a secular calendar. The church used to keep this Sunday, the last Sunday of the church's year for Thanksgiving. And when you come to think about it, uh, it is very appropriate on your last Sunday of a given era uh, to be able to say thank you to God for all the blessings you received during that particular time. But under this new liturgical revival, uh, we are keeping it as the Feast of Christ the King, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the fact that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, that Jesus Christ is God and not some poor shadow of Almighty God. And without getting into uh, any of the controversies that surrounded the relationship of the Father to the Son, that type thing, we today proclaim on the last Sunday of the church's year that all we have been doing in the year gone by and all we'll be doing in the year to come is to the glory of our King, King Jesus, who was on the throne. And as it gets closer to Christmas, you're probably, during Advent, going to hear uh, renditions of Handel's Alleluia Chorus uh, as the Messiah is presented almost a, a sacred Christmas event now. And the most stirring part, at least many people feel, in the whole of that oratorio of, 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 of the Messiah uh, is the Alleluia Chorus. In fact, most areas, the audience stands up while it is being sung. An interesting story behind that too, which I won't waste my precious time to, to go into this morning as to how that supposedly came about. That notwithstanding, if as you stand and hear that sung, you hear the glory and the praise to Almighty God through His Son, Jesus Christ, who is King of kings, Lord of lords, and He shall reign forever and ever. And as I'm even saying this in your own heads, you're hearing the music being played to it. A tremendous piece of work. Not that it matters anything. I'm so moved by it that I have so instructed that at my funeral, uh, and I think if I don't plan my funeral, somebody else will, so I'd rather have my own say into it. Uh, as the... As, my earthly remains are carried out of the church or wherever that service will be held, this is what will be played, the Alleluia Chorus, because all of my effort, as I'm sure all of your effort in your Christian pilgrimage, has been to establish the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. And most of the controversy we're in today is not because of same-sex blessings or any of those things that we're accused of it being. It's because we do not profess the churches that we belong to will not profess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because if you did profess that, then everything else would fall into place. We say today that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is King. And yet you know as well as I do that at, there's at least one or two occasions in all of our lives, certainly there are far too many in mine, when with one breath I'm proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is our King, and all these wonderful adjectives that go with it, and in the other breath I'm treating him like scum or like trash. And when we fall into the fearful power of sin, let sin take the dominion over us, we are erasing the wonderful things we've said about Jesus. We're treating him not as King of Kings and our only Lord and Savior. We're treating him as if he doesn't 
really matter. And in so doing, we fall into the good graces of so much of the rest of our society. But my friends, worse than us treating him as scum or trash, because I don't think any of us you know, do that very often, and I would like to think that none of us have ever willingly and deliberately done it, Worse than that is that we allow other people to treat him that way and we don't speak up and say anything about it. How often do we find ourselves with a group of people and deep down we feel a bit ashamed of the way they're acting or some of the things they're saying and yet we let it go by. We don't stand up for our king. I mean, in the, in the years of kingship when the king rules supreme, Anyone who said anything negative about the king could be, well, actually, they could be put to death. It was called, you know, a, a, a crime against the king's majesty. His glory was, was uh, uh, threatened by what was said. Now, yesterday afternoon, Father Darrell was doing the, uh, Father Darrell, I see, I see one of my other archdeacons here in the church this morning, and he'll be introduced to you later, but uh, uh, our Archdeacon of New England here was, was doing his Anglican Studies class. And uh, Christine and the girls had to go out for various things, as happens in any family on a Saturday afternoon. And I had the downstairs of the house to myself. And I said, well, fine, let me just see what's on television. And I picked up the zapper and started going through, you know, a couple of minutes on this channel, a couple of minutes on another channel. Once I figured out how the blooming thing worked, and eventually I did. And I think if you haven't done that, you need to do it from time to time. I was horrified yesterday, and I'm not easily shocked at my age, but I was horrified by some of the things that I heard on prime time on a Saturday afternoon when God knows how many unattended young people were sitting home doing the same thing I was doing or glued to the particular programs to see the manner in which our own the Christian principles on which our country and which our church is established, these Christian principles are mocked at, they're made light of, sin is looked to made very attractive indeed, sexuality is the name of the game, uh, homosexuality is treated as the norm, and all of these things are flowing into the minds of receptive, into the receptive minds of young people. Your young people, my young people, and for the most part, we have become so desensitized to it that we don't even notice it ourselves. That's the way sin works. To get you, the first time you hear it, it shocks you. Then after you hear it two or three more times, bit by bit by bit, it, it shocks you less. Till by and by you think it's almost a normal thing anyway. That's part of the society we're living in, and we sit by and don't do anything about it. You know better than I do the courage it takes to actually stand up and to proclaim the lordship of Jesus. To say to someone, that's my king that you are blaspheming there. That's my king that you're making fun of in that particular way. Because it's, it's, it's almost a mockery for us to come and celebrate Christ the king and then treat him as if he doesn't exist or allow other people to treat him uh, with derision as if anyone who tries to follow him are part of some uh, time warp back, you know, centuries ago. Next Sunday is, is Advent. Four weeks before Christmas. 
And we are told during the penitential season of Advent, which is very difficult to keep because of uh, Christmas starts right after Halloween in so many areas, that we are preparing, we're celebrating his first coming as a baby in Bethlehem, but we're also preparing ourselves for his coming again, when he comes in power and might, when he comes not as a little baby, depending on us, depending on human beings to to sustain him. But when he comes as King of kings and lords of lords, when he comes as our Savior, but when he comes as our judge. Never play that down. The old church used to refer to it as the terrible day of the Lord. A terrible didn't have quite the same meaning that we have given to it now. But it is awesome. Maybe in the way we do use that word awesome now. The fact is, he is coming. Don't waste your time worrying about if it's going to be December 21st, 2012, or whatever the, a lot of the evangelists are telling us these days that, you know, we want to put a time or a date to it. Jesus himself said he didn't know the day or the hour. Only God knows. But the fact is established that he will come. And when he comes, amongst other things, he will come as a judge. He asked us before he left the earth. No, he commanded us before he left the earth in his bodily form to be his witnesses. Ye shall be my witnesses. And I have to ask myself, and you have to ask yourself, when last did you really stand up and witness for him? When I was here with you on Holy Week one year, about three years ago, four years, three years ago, time goes so quickly, uh, one of the stories I told, and I haven't got anything like the, the time I need to tell it today, one nice thing about Good Friday with a long service, you can take as long as you like to, to tell a story. But the gist of it was uh, a, a, a young man, the, the child of his parents' old age, who because of his parents' sacrifice went off into the city, to the university. And his poor old father missed him so much he decided to go in and see him. His poor old father wasn't dressed the way that his university friends were. It was written all over him that he had come from a little village uh, outside of where style made any difference. And when he sees his son in the distance, he calls out to him, my boy, my boy, and he tears himself away. The son tears himself away from his flashy friends with whom he's so popular. And he goes over and says to his father, he said, listen, I'll see you later on, but for God's sake, don't let them know that you are my father. And when I told that story, you all gasped how terrible that boy was to treat his father in that way. But how often do we, by our silence, say much the same thing? Don't let anyone else know that you are our God, that you are our King. He is coming. And he's going to require much of us. Won't it be wonderful to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Incredibly rewarding uh, acclamation to hear from him. But how dreadful it will be if those same lips say, depart from me, I never knew you. And so as we proclaim Christ the King, let us look at that two sides of it. And to dedicate ourselves, not just one Sunday a year, to emphasize the kingship and the lordship of Jesus Christ, but to commit it as an integral part 
of our faith in him. That as you come and receive that king this morning into yourselves through this holy sacrament, as you go back to your pew with this king now dwelling in you, as you go out these doors with this king living in you, show him to other people. Show him to other people by the changed way that you are living and acting and that you are prepared to proclaim him in all you think and do and say. I wish you well on your thanksgiving. And may you, as you uh, do the other things associated, be it eating or drinking or football games or whatever, uh, as you do those things, be really thankful that we have a king and that he's coming again. God bless you all. Amen.